0: Welcome to the Monday Night Men's Forum, brought to you by Farm Hop Life. <laughs> Today, my guest is Tenzin of Red Door Family Farm. Uh, he was on a couple of weeks ago, him and his wife Stacy, talk about their operation quite a bit. Um, we'll wait for other people to come in, but Tenzin, why don't you, why don't you start off? Just give a quick um, overview of your operation, year you started, where you're at, and what you do.
1: Yeah. We, uh, started our farm here in, uh, 2014. We're in North central Wisconsin in Athens, small town, just outside of the small town of Athens, Wisconsin. And we, uh, grow mostly vegetables for CSA farmers market and some wholesale accounts. Um, we, uh, yeah, that's pretty much the scoop. We got my wife and I, uh, run the farm. We've got a couple of kids and a couple of sort of full time seasonal employees and uh, a few more part timers during the season. And we're farming about 1012 acres of vegetables every year and kind of a real wide swath of everything we can grow this far north.
0: Sweet. How many you had four giant like greenhouses, right? That's
1: yeah, we've got four high tunnels. They're 30 by 120 feet. And we do a lot of production in those. Just with our season being so short, they're they're a huge boon to us. So that's the only action going on right now. We've got a little propagation greenhouse that's way too small. We're gonna put up another essentially a high tunnel and turn it into a heated greenhouse for propagation this year but it won't won't uh house any starts until next year probably Um, are your greenhouses heated or are they heated passively the so when i say greenhouse i i mean a heated okay it's still a polypropylene tunnel it's the same frame but it's two layers of plastic and it's it's actively heated the four 30 by 120 high tunnels are are just passively heated there's no heat source in there. Um, and they're about half of them are half of that ground is in production right at this moment. It's all, it's kind of a, the spring turnover right now. So we've got about half of our ground is either got some lettuces and radishes and turnips and stuff planted this spring and, or has, uh, spinach that's overwintered from last fall, planted last fall, and we're still taking cuttings off of it for the next few weeks. Have
0: Hopefully. you already bought the new greenhouse? Or is that yeah yep, this year? it's
1: sitting out here in the snowbank looking in.
0: <laughs> what's uh so let to get into a little bit of current events, um what's what'd you pay for that new that new greenhouse or high yeah that's
1: a good question. So we decided we wanted to get one that in twenty late twenty twenty, I suppose we had been looking into it, early twenty twenty, and it was about nine thousand dollars for the frame and the plastic. And then uh, we call, called up in uh, I don't know it's late twenty twenty or early twenty twenty one, and it was uh, they said it had tripled. It was twenty eight thousand dollars. <laughs> Holy smokes! So he we said, "Well, never mind. We're not going to grow that much stuff in there to pay for that, anyhow." So, um, then uh, we found a frame. Uh, somebody, some friends of ours, actually had a frame that they had sort of done a, a combined farm, or you know, somebody was renting land from them and had their own vegetable operation going on, on the side of their farm, and they had a hoop house and it got most of the way put up and then the project got abandoned. I'm not
0: hmm. they moved
1: off that farm and never came back for it. So they sold it to us for what they had into it or maybe a bit less. Uh, so that was back down to the regular price. So we picked that up last fall and, uh, it's all stacked up here, but, um, when, the, when the ground clears, we'll get going on that project. But that's been a big deal. I mean, when we, we sort of budgeted about $20,000 for the greenhouse with, uh, you know, the frame and a concrete slab and a heater. Um, and I thought, well, you know, prices are going up. It might be $30,000 or something by the time we're all done here, especially if we did hydronic heat and had a boiler, but um by the time we shopped it all out and kind of swinging for the fences and just doing everything we wanted. Yeah. uh, It was about (laughs) $78,000. Oh my
0: gosh. (laughs) So it was crazy, dude. We've
1: uh, ratcheted that back quite a bit (laughs) in our planning now. Um, So we're just going to go with a regular propane heater for the time being and a gravel pad. Okay. And uh, yeah. It'll still work just fine. Um, It won't be quite as nice for everything we were hoping to use that space for, but it will will do the job. And it's hard to justify an expense like that, you know, on broccoli.
0: Right. So, (laughs) man, what do you, I mean, seed prices for you also have got to be like through the roof, Right.
1: Seed prices are up a bit. Um, they were always high. We do very specialized things for the most part and it's a really small, you know, I think, you know, if you're doing thousands of acres of grains, your seed price relative per acre relative to what you're selling an acre's worth of product for is a significant cost for us. It's, I won't say it's insignificant, but it's uh, we, could, we could make or break finances a lot more in many other regards than, than taxes. we probably spend. I just figured this out actually to get our taxes in. I want to say it was like somewhere in the neighborhood of $4,000 on seeds hmm. every year, but that's not a huge percentage of our overall budget there.
0: With the price of fuel, you're probably not dinking around in the tractor too much lately.
1: No, I'm a little less joyriding. <laughs> <laughs> but it keeps, keeps me from engaging in uh, what Farmers Union just had an article that came out about recreational tillage.
0: <laughs> <laughs> recreational tillage.
1: <laughs> that, that was a great phrase.
0: <laughs> yeah, you'll have so, to yeah, throw that less- on a sweatshirt.
1: Yeah, there'll be less recreational tillage this year. <laughs>
0: That's, that's very, very true. What? um, Oh, shoot. I had another question. Where's my notes here? Okay. So, so do you think the price of your, um, how much do you think that the price of your materials has gone up due to just um, like supply shortages or um, freight or inflation? Any, any
1: ideas or insights on that? um well so like that hoop house situation that was pretty complicated that that actually that was early that was in 2020 um that had to do with the you know trade war type scenario with china and the price of steel and also with uh hemp becoming much more legal uh to produce so everyone and their cousin was putting up a hoop house quick to get on, on the front end of that, I think. And so, sure, um, so that, and that's what they, that they said as much when they said, we said, well, is it going to come down? And they said, well, as long as more States keep opening up the uh, hemp or marijuana or whatever, right. we're never going to catch up to demand until that slows down. So, hmm. um, And so that's when we started looking around and trying to find a frame somewhere else because we just thought, well, we're not going to wait that long. Right. Um, And, you know, I don't know. Fuel, I don't know. I guess I, uh, my sort of take on things is that, uh, you know, that inflation pressure has been there for a while, but prices have not gone up dramatically for some time, I feel like, um, generally speaking. Like it's long uh, overdue? Yeah, it's a bit overdue, I think, uh, from like a macroeconomic standpoint. Um, And then, you know, I don't know. I think that um, there's a lot of industries uh, capitalizing on turmoil, supply chain disruptions, general things, um, and they can raise prices. So they are. I mean, I, I mean, you know, because they that's can. Based, that's based on a little, not a lot. I'm not an economist by any stretch of the imagination. You should see the chicken scratch I used to get our taxes done. But uh, the. You know around here i feel like the price of milk has been in the tank but butter keeps going up the price Hmm. of uh you know logs i got a buddy who skids wood uh in the winter and the price of logs keeps going down and down and the price of a two by four is like uh, i don't know what it is four or five times what it was a year or two ago right so I I kind of think that it actually doesn't have very much to do with supply chain um, things. I think it has more to do with opportunity. Sure. They're uh, not letting this opportunity go
0: to waste to be able to charge three times or, right. or five or ten or whatever, really, they want to get away with almost really. I mean, they got to hedge it like a little bit, but I mean... Yeah, it's it's crazy out there. It's like um, I don't know, hundred percent markup on like cereal for people that people that buy cereal and whatnot. You know, right. Even even like the off brand, you know.
1: Right, and grains coming up a little bit, but it's not going to do. And that's, I mean, I think that's probably mostly a Ukraine situation uh, increases in grain price. I mean, they were going to go up because everything's going up, but. You know, so there's some amount of that's inflation, but some of that is supply um, uh, coming out of Ukraine. Apparently, they're a bigger player than I ever really realized in the global grain market.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's. I think before even um, the whole Ukraine thing, uh, I saw like the graph or bushel of wheat or whatever was like like almost like hockey stick. If or yeah. Even worse than a hockey stick, you know. It was yeah. almost like straight up. It was just insane how how high it was and it looked like it was still climbing. So which and then we we could also like talk about like fertilizer because I was talking to uh I had an interview yesterday and this guy had said, you know, the price of fertilizer is so high that some mm-hmm. people are just not even gonna grow. There's like yeah. Can't,
1: can't do it. And labor, you know, in our, in the vegetable world, labor is a way bigger expense than seed or fertilizer or anything like that. And the price of labor is sure. and supply of labor. Um, our price of labor is going up and the supply has gone down uh, consequently uh, or vice versa consequently. But the, um, uh, I know a couple of farms that have just, you know, either completely changed around their farm model to not have very many employees and just manage a couple of key accounts or have just taken essentially a hiatus and gotten other jobs or do whatever they do. Right.
0: Yeah. Are you, are you worried about keeping your employees around
1: at all? I am always worried about keeping our employees around. um, But our first few years, we struggled a lot with uh, keeping employees around. And the last few years, we've had the same steady crew and they're rock solid and they're great. And so I feel feel great going into this season uh, with the crew we've got. Um, every year, we've added more, you know, labor hours um, and uh you know with with one weird exception it's just gotten steadier and steadier uh year after year and since since this crew uh Alex and Ethan since they've been here they're going on their fourth season now wow. with us and that's that's a totally different kind of farming i don't know it's just it's fun again and you can you're playing off sure. each other as a team instead of just this constant here's how you hold this. Here's how you do this. Here's how you do that. And, right. you know, when we harvest, I don't know, we've got like 180 some different plantings of vegetables that go out throughout the year. So you're never doing the same thing long enough to get good at it unless you stick around for a number of seasons, you know? Sure. Well, What
0: what do you think has changed between your first few employees till now?
1: Yeah. I wish I had a real solid answer there. Um, we, we, Did decide, we decided that was a huge problem for us and that we couldn't, we hadn't really had anybody finish the, we had one person finish a season since for the first four years of the farm. Um, well, I guess that's not true. The first year we had one part-timer, um, and then, uh, we were starting to take it a little personal, um, and I think it was. Like, am I a bad boss? Am I... (laughs) I mean, how couldn't you, right? Oh, yeah. No, for sure. And, I mean, it was such a big deal to us, you know, that I just felt like, wow, I can't believe they're walking away, you know, and, like, we'd have one month to go of harvest or something. Um, and it's a short like, season. Really? Now, like, now you couldn't put in one more yeah, month? It's pretty much, like, June through October is the show. May, there's stuff to do, but, um, you know. Most of our labor starts in June. So anyway, uh, so we, we decided to take it more seriously, get a little bit more professional, get a little bit more organized and try to make it a better situation. Um, and we, we, were, we were doing things that we thought they would appreciate, but I think they didn't. Hmm. <laughs> I think our efforts were uh, counterproductive, if anything. But, um, yeah. And then we also, we just got the right people. I don't know that we went from high, higher drama scenarios to very steady, low drama, um, solid crew. They show up, they want to work, they care about the farm and, and, uh, they like being here. And that's kind of the main thing. And that's been, it's been great. It's really allowed us to, you know, feel really confident planning for the next season for one thing each time. And also finding ways to, to invest in them in ways that they want to be invested in. Right. I,
0: I talked to another guy on Facebook, thursday he has a pretty decent livestock operation in virginia i think and he goes uh, one thing that i learned from like the military is if we're gonna like work together i need two things attitude and initiative if you have those i can teach you anything mm-hmm. if if you don't have those this isn't gonna work and he has quite a bit like high employee turnover also, like there'll be people that work for him for let's say two, two years and 80% of them will never farm again. Like mm-hmm. they, after two years doing their program or whatever it is, um, people are just like, this isn't for me. So yeah. I guess I, I mean, even knowing what you know now, I wouldn't, I guess I wouldn't take it personal. Um, it's just, human nature, I guess, that people are just like, mm, no.
1: <laughs> well, I, think, I think it actually was a little personal there early on, and I, I mean not to say I think that it was directly our fault. Oh, okay. We, uh, we needed our employees more than we were fully acknowledging. Mm. Um, so we had a high dependency, uh, but a low threshold for you know mistakes or sure uh disinterest and i think we sort of realized you know it's not their farm it's our farm it's our baby um and uh so i think we just we had and we didn't know what we were doing we had no idea where we were going, so sure it's hard to give clear directions and not make people do work and only to have to turn around and undo what we just did because it didn't play out, you know? Yeah. Um, so it was a lot of, it was a lot of things, you know, when I say it was personal, I don't mean that as a, as like, a, yeah, a big, I gotcha. yeah, I mean it as like, uh, I think we just weren't doing our job. We were, we didn't know how yet.
0: Sure. So do you think both of your employees, they kind of have like their own little side project On the farm, right? Because one of them does chickens and the other does something else. Yep. Potatoes. Do you think, do you think that makes a difference that they're like, Uh, they have their space?
1: Yep. And they, so yes, I do think it makes a difference. Uh, We had offered that to everybody though, but I think Mm. early on people uh, took it as like a.
0: Do more work for free.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That kind of a thing and uh and it it came off as challenging rather than just an offer when really it w- it was only an offer it was something we wanted them to do it because we wanted them to have have that sense of autonomy somewhere on the farm and yeah. we knew we were going to be working shoulder to shoulder with them telling them what to do all day so we wanted them to have a place to go do it their way um it's a good idea and, uh, and we, we had had that on farms that we worked on previously and, and found a lot of value in it. But I think, you know, the people we were working with early on weren't really interested in being farmers or figuring out how to own a farm or a farm enterprise. They were, you know, they thought this would be a cool way to spend the summer. And that's a different kettle of fish. You know, it can be a very cool way to spend the summer and that can be a great fit for a season or whatever. Um, but it's, uh, I think it's just, it's good to be clear about expectations and goals on both sides so that, uh, so you're not tripping over yourself, offering things they don't want. That's a good point. Um, so let's, let's- Alex and Ethan are actually part of a formal apprenticeship program as well that just got going in Wisconsin. They're some of the first graduates from it. And it's a two year program and uh, comes with some coursework and stuff. Um, And that was actually a really, that was a great experience, I think for them as well, um, because we sort of, Forced us to make sure the education was comprehensive and gave them a really easy format to run questions by us in a way that was not challenging, you know, instead of being like, why are you doing it like that, dork? It was like, so I hear there are some other ways to do this.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So what do they get on the other side of that apprenticeship? I mean, because they already had the job, right?
1: Yeah, yep. Uh, generally. Sometimes people have reached out to us uh, through the apprenticeship program looking for a job um, and we just haven't had the turnover to need them yet. Sure. Um, but they uh, basically it's just a credential and it's really set up for them to be able to go on and be farm managers. So it's sort of saying okay I have a a comprehensive understanding of a farm you know because if somebody says oh, i worked on a vegetable farm for two years it really depends on the farm and on the farmer or the farming style you know does this person know everything from sending out newsletters and marketing through you know post-harvest handling through right you know, running the tiller and driving the tractor or do they just know how to weed carrots or what's the, you know, there's a a wide spectrum there. So this sort of says, okay, they've, they've been checked off on a whole comprehensive list of skills and activity. They have at least some familiarity with everything. I can see value in that. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: it kind of has like a little like, Hey, look what I, like, I'm committed to completing this thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, so, yeah. Um, kind of switching to the topic of, of today, tonight, um, community. So like your little operation, you know, you and your employees, well, you, your wife and your employees, um, kind of like a small community. Does it feel like a small community?
1: Yeah, it does. They live here on the farm, our, our main two employees. And uh, we put up a tiny house uh, before uh, they arrived. Somebody else lived in the first one uh, the year, the season before that. And then it was really just set up to be sort of a three season employee housing scenario. Cause there's, we're, In a small town, there's absolutely nowhere to rent around here. I mean, (laughs) we even considered taking out a mortgage and buying a cheap house just to have, because there's three, four really, other farms right here in this area that all Mm. have seasonal employees coming and going and have the same problem. So I thought, well, I could do that and just rent it out. But it's, I don't know, it's a lot of money and it's a lot of paperwork and. Being a landlord and a farmer seems like a lot. Be um, a good
0: asset to have on the on the uh, books, though.
1: Well, right, if and a, you know, if you could swing it, hindsight, hindsight uh, is always twenty twenty, right? Like any right. anything we would have bought three years ago had we actually tripled the in value, in yeah. would have been, like, doubled in value, you know. But um, but anyway, at, at the time it was just sort of like a well, we can do it this way. Um, and so we put up this little it's just a portable shed actually but we made it quite cute and comfortable um insulated water electric you know the whole nine yards and uh but anyway uh ethan's been living there uh year-round now and just really liking it and it's set up it's not uh we don't rent it to him It's just if he's employed here he can stay there if he wants um and then uh alex was renting a place but it was 20 minutes away and it was really expensive and it was Hmm. bumpy and had all kinds of problems all the time and she had the chickens here on the farm so that meant even on her days off she was driving to the farm 20 minutes each way morning and night at least um and so we actually worked out a really cool arrangement with her where we just sat down and had a big brainstorming session and just said, okay, well, let's, what, what do you want to see happen and what do we want to see happen and how much are you willing to put towards it both, you know, financially and, and committing time and energy toward. And we came up with a a cool deal where we basically just built the house together and we, you know, settled on a design and everything and ended up, uh, we had somebody lined up to do the building, but then we ended up doing most of it by the end of it. Um, and we just split everything basically two thirds, one third. And, um, and yeah, it worked out, worked out great. And she can just live there as long as she wants now, basically. Nice. As, long, as, long as, as long as she's employed. Right was the caveat right. and it, it's not like we'd kick her out if she just had a life change or wanted to pursue her chicken operation or grow that into something that was took her off the farm we would just sit down and have another one of those meetings and say okay what's right what do you want to start and end here
0: because uh, now it's the other type of personal
1: yeah right exactly but, and, and mm-hmm. right and we're invested in her and she's invested in us and that's it's uh very much a mutually beneficial relationship. So we're, there's uh very little we wouldn't do for Alex. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so then what other communities, uh, are you involved in? Are you, do you have like a online community? Cause you guys, uh, are on, on Instagram quite a lot. Do you guys go to church or is there like a little, like, uh, do you go to the Legion? I don't know what you do.
1: Yeah, we have a lot of uh, things, I guess, if I really think about it for a minute. Um, we we don't go to church. Um, we're definitely in the Bible Belt region, um, and we have a lot of readily available communities. If As we many churches as liquor that.
0: stores in your town?
1: Right, yeah. There's a lot of bars here, too. <laughs>
0: It's Wisconsin. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. We try not to spend too much time in either camp. Uh <laughs> that's probably safe. But uh <laughs> um we are so as far as sort of farmer groups, um one thing is we're a part of Fair Share, which is uh an organ a CSA vegetable farm organization um based out of madison which is not really our neighborhood um and they are statewide they're actually going kind of region-wide now um and they so there's a whole listserv with them where we can reach out to similar farmers and there's sort of a vetting process to get into the club and whatever um and so that's really helpful in terms of i mean just today we were picking up this new wholesale account and trying to figure out like, how do we even set a price? Cause now, you know, instead of it marketing one way, we're marketing a different way. And how do we hmm. even figure that out? And we were able to, you can fire off an email and get six or seven people that you know and trust to some extent replying. It's really cool. Um, and they do all kinds of stuff as far as helping with marketing and education and things too. Um and then more locally we are um there's this it's called farmer Hotshots, uh and it was started somebody else had uh done a similar thing somewhere else um and it's a it's a bit of a tragic name but we tried to rename it a couple of times and it never took so um the anyway uh neighboring farm here joel keenhold started it based on something he had heard of somewhere else and that's really just farmer friends and it's kind of whatever kind of farmer you are if you get on the facebook group or whatever and pre-pandemic we used to get together once a month well we used to try to get together once a month um we're better about it in the winter than in the summer generally yeah uh,
0: for good reason yeah yeah when you're working 14 hours a day it's like i'm I'm not even going to shower tonight. I'm so tired.
1: Right. So the one is sort of this listserv with very similar farmers and the other one is more localized, but it's basically, I don't know what it is. It's like a 75 mile radius. Um, and we would all get together at somebody's farm, tried to get do it once a month. And it was a potluck and it was a very low pressure potluck. Uh, it was actually comically bipolar, you know, cause you'd have all these people that are really dedicated and interested in the food. So one person would bring like, you know, home cured salami that they made from a pig they raised and did the whole thing. And have been working on it for three, three years. years yeah. Right. <laughs> and the next person's like, Oh my God, I left the house and forgot that it was a potluck and stopped for a bag of chips. And so, um, and you know, but that moved around, it was never, it wasn't always one camp or the other and and it was very uh very come as you are uh sort of deal and that was a lot of fun and they're all great friends we don't get together as much anymore although we started getting together again now uh a bit more and then even more locally than that uh not quite as local as our little budding commune here on the farm uh (laughs) is uh I uh, have a funny story about that, <laughs> um, is uh, there's, you know, four or five similar farms right here, very close by, um, and we share equipment and we share labor um, to a lesser and lesser degree. Each farm is kind of finding their own zone more and more, but we still share information and Sure. commiserate on the weather whether it's too wet or too dry or whatever it is um, and yeah so that's kind of our our like personal professional personal oh, professional communities
0: um explain to me the the trading labor thing um so like do some of your employees spend time on other farms, and some of their employees spend time on your farm, if if able to? We that, we have pretty much done suggestive? that. So, okay. Like
1: I say, like I say, it's been getting less and less. Um, where it really comes into play is putting up these hoop houses. You need eight people for a day, kind right. of to get that done right, and it's helpful if there are people that sort of understand the process. And so, uh, one of one of these neighbors here. Uh calls it a modern day barn raising, where pretty much anytime somebody's putting up a hoop house, you can put out the word and sure everyone will do what they everyone's can. everyone's an expert now, right, and there's no nobody to hire that knows more about it, so that's true. We had nobody uh, other than actually, farmers. we had three hoop houses that all blew down one July in a crazy storm. And, uh, we put out the call there to this, um, oh, Ethan's (laughs) home. he's been out for, he's been on a little vacation. Um, he, anyway, we, we put out this call to that, uh, uh, that farmer hotshots group I was talking about that we get together for the potlucks and, uh set a date to do a cleanup. And we had one Sunday morning and there was about 14 of us here, a a restaurant brewery that we sell food to donated a keg of beer and people brought skid loaders and tools and know-how. And we had three hoop houses completely that were all mangled. And one of them blew clear past the house and landed in a pond and it was a total mess. And uh, we were done at 1130 went for an amazing. early lunch? <laughs> it was unreal. It was just an astonishing. Uh, like, all by
0: everybody's steaks, because that was 100%. Uh, worth it.
1: it was incredible. Wow. I could not even believe. Uh, I could not even believe how much got done so fast. You know, it was really, there was like about five minutes of how are we going to divide this up? And everyone just went to work. And just boom, everything that's, happened. That's
0: really cool. our community, had, right there.
1: Yeah. And it happened to be our daughter's uh, first birthday. And we were such a clustered up mess. We didn't uh, remember, really.
0: <laughs> I mean,
1: <laughs> and uh, one, of, one yeah, of the people, even, understandable, one of the people that's even cool. baked her a cake and brought it over to us. So. Oh. So we, we did it all.
0: Even better. Uh,
1: yeah. So that was, I mean, that's just as an example of just an incredibly powerful uh, community endeavor. Right. That we benefited from. So uh, yeah. And then, you know, so that's the main way we trade labor now, but also we'll go help each other do, you know, if there's something weird comes up, we go help on another farm or once in a while, we've even done, you know, trades, um, where, you know, we'll trade uh, a friend of some friends of ours are about an hour away and it's just a little bit too far to be convenient to pop in and out. Um, <laughs> so we'll, we'll arrange these work trades where Rebecca will come down here and I'll go up there, but it's really just a play date. So <laughs> Eric and I can go play and Rebecca and Stacy can play.
0: Sure. <laughs> Hey, there's there's value some in there work too. Happens.
1: Some work happens.
0: <laughs> Talk about work happens. At least that's right. Um, you you hinted at a budding commune. I want to <laughs> I want to hear it.
1: Well, we got a we got a friend out here who uh, is ostensibly trying to start a commune, and he was trying to recruit some of the people that are active members in our community <laughs> anyway uh there's just been a lot of jokes uh they said well no because we're already kind of in this commune thing <laughs> so it's just not, talking just, about life just to be, just that to be clear farm. yeah just to be clear it's it's not a commune everybody has their own autonomy and they come and go as they please and whatever it's really just uh uh, okay. staff housing arrangement but we do we get together for meals and we you know share a septic tank so that brings us close <laughs> <laughs> yeah that would that would definitely bring you close <laughs> um, um and uh yeah no i don't know it's it's great actually um, we even are talking about building another one so we'll see we got a family friend uh, who's from Mexico actually, and is graduating with a degree in horticulture. Um, got in then the, the final part of his, uh, his uh, university degree is that he needs to go work on a, on a farm, like an orchard or a vegetable farm or whatever. And his degree is in vegetable production. And uh, so he, checked and ran it through the school and they okayed him to come up here. So we're hoping I just talked to him actually right before this. Nice. Uh, We were sending some emails back and forth. So the plan is he's going to come up and work here next year, which would be a lot of fun. I think Uh, my Spanish is pretty good. I used to work in Costa Rica and Mexico, but I don't know. (laughs) There's going to be a lot of learning happening. The first
0: month there'll be. First month will be rough.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but does he does he speak any English? I don't know to be honest. Um, I, you, know his, I know his. I know his mom to him through email. Yeah, I know his mom and dad mostly, um, and okay. I've I have I have met him, but he's been away at college the whole time. Basically, I've known his parents, and I've only my parent. We go down there uh, for vacation. And uh, she's my parents' Spanish teacher, actually. That's how we know her. Oh. <laughs> um, and just wonderful family. And they, they uh, live up in the hills, and they basically farm by hand, um, I don't know, five hectares or something. So about 10 acres or better. Um, and it's just, it's really cool what they're doing. Corn and squash awesome. and beans and uh, pasture.
0: Um shoot, I forgot my question. I had something else else to follow up with. Oh, uh your aren't you like you said you were like making your own like your own compost like real heavy this year, weren't you? Like oh yeah. Is it <laughs> yeah? So yeah. what I've heard people do is like they have like this like these worm bins essentially and let like the worm basically worm juice, like the compost tea, like be at the bottom and is there like some like little vortex machine or something like that? Some, I don't remember. All the yeah, you can do that.
1: And... I haven't, I've just started playing with some, you know, brood teas. Um, what does that I, mean?
0: What is brood tea?
1: Well, you're essentially, uh, uh, somebody probably could answer this better and it's going to be whatever, but um, when it's brood, you're taking some, microbial inoculum whether it's compost or vermicompost or actual just you know ordering lactic acid bacteria culture or whatever the thing is that you're um trying to brew up and then you're putting it in a tank and uh adding some sort of food to create conditions for that microbial population to just explode okay so that's what i mean when i say a brewed tea Versus an extract, which is you're essentially just like pressure, you know, making coffee, uh, but not hot. Um, so you're just you're just pushing the water through the through the medium, whether it's compost or vermicast, um, or just mixing the inoculum. You know, even if you're buying a purchased powdered inoculum and mixing it into water, just as a way to spread that out. Um, and the, the big difference is with the, with the brewed tea, um, you get, uh, a much higher microbial population, but if you're making that out of something like compost, you're not getting the full resolution of the biology that's in the compost. Some things are not going to take to the brewing process. Other things are. So you're sort of selecting for the environment that's in your brew tank. Now, the hardiest things are going to be able to thrive in the brew tank and get sprayed out on the field and thrive there too. But for us, an outdoor compost pile, um, and they're mostly static piles, I do some active turning early on in the process, but then it sits in a relatively static windrow. So that is a much more similar environment to the field that they're going out in. So really what I'm doing is I'm just mixing them in water as a way to cover more ground faster
0: do you think you'd ever scale it up so you could be like that would be an output of the farm so like you could sell it to other farms
1: yeah that's my retirement plan (laughs) what's your i mean honestly though what's your
0: what's your timeline on something like that uh it's uh it's
1: just a joke now um i'm too i'm too too (laughs) too I have too much uh, work to do to start planning my retirement, but um, I don't know. I, in all seriousness, um, it could be my goal for this year is to get a system that is produces a reliable product that I can effectively use and implement and just have that system working at a farm scale. Um. And I think I've got that pretty well ironed out. I've got enough raw material that I can start spreading the compost the ways that I want to. Um, and I've got enough going on that I'll be rolling into next year with even more of that. So I should be able to put more uh, more out at better times. <clears throat> and I've got a design in mind. Um, I'm kind of moving composting system because of the greenhouse we're putting up. So I've got a design in mind for that. But, um, if it works as well as I hope it will, um, and it would, I would be able to scale up to a size of being able to supply. I don't, I'm just going to pick a number, but like up to 10 or 12 more farms, um, of our size with uh, without any major infrastructure investment, you know. um, And, you know, I don't know if that happens over the course of the next four or five years. And I feel like I have a product that I really believe in and people want, then I might scale that up. But right now it's just uh Hans and I planning our early retirement <laughs> <laughs> uh neighboring neighboring farm who <clears throat> has uh dairy cows and so he's got sawdust and cow manure and uh wheel loaders and all those sorts of things
0: Those are all good things to include
1: yeah, yeah. so um,
0: I'll look for uh red door family farm tenzins special sauce or something like that on the (laughs) on the shelves near me.
1: Yep. Yeah, there could be could be something like that in the future. I don't know. We'll see. Kind of
0: cool. Because right now I've been um I've got some plant starts um growing under my stairs and then also I got a seed cabinet right next to me here. Um that I use Garrett juice. Yeah that's what it's called Garrett juice. It's basically just Mm -hmm. like compost like compost tea and then Mm -hmm. you have to dilute it it's like an ounce or two per gallon um to just bring life to store pot like like uh potting soil i guess essentially because um i've got like the compost that i'm making currently it needs another month under the tarps you know i um two months ago i shoveled out all the like wood chips and stuff out of the chicken coop. And then I soaked it real heavy and then threw a tarp over it. Mm-hmm. And I actually did a video a week later. So I am like, all right, I got to check the temperature and see if like it's hot. And so I actually borrowed a, a thermal imaging gun from work. And so like I pulled back the top layer and it was like bright, like yellow, like it was visibly hotter in there. And like, you could see steam coming off of it, and everything was pretty cool. But it won't be ready for another month. That's why I'm stuck buying junk from the store and have to use amendments to
1: make it better. Yeah. Yeah, this well, just to kind of come back around to pricing and stuff. I mean, yeah, we sort of started, we would just buy a truck full of composted pelletized poultry manure. Um, and that works well and is quite affordable, uh, but it's a real pain in the butt because it's a big schmeary mess unless you just take it off of the truck and get it onto the field. So one day in May, whenever they kind of decided to show up, would, we would scramble around and we would drive all over the farm and we'd throw chicken poop on everything and it was (laughs) composted already. And so there wasn't, you know, we didn't have to deal with 90 days or anything, but, it's still, you know, it's chicken barn, whatever, it's not, uh, you wouldn't want it on your salad. Um, So we would have whole areas of the farm that are planted that we didn't want to throw it on top of. And then we would have, um, you know, and it was invariably too wet to be driving that much weight around the fields. And so we'd make compaction and mud stuff up. And it was just kind of a, a mess. Um, And then we started getting a little bit more serious and working with an agronomist and coming up with sort of a base recipe that was, you know, still based on uh, CPM, composted poultry manure, um, but also sort of targeted more specifically for our crops and our soil mostly. So we were essentially working at remineralizing the soil incrementally as we were feeding each year's crop okay and that that seemed to work significantly better um and so then we kind of got more into that and then in the last year or two i've really done a deep dive because we're spending i don't know 800 dollars a ton or something for this stuff and if i was putting out as much as i wanted it would be a ton per acre um which isn't crazy really in the world of organic amendments. They're just lower lower octane than anhydrous ammonia or something like that. (laughs) Right. Uh, So, but even so, that just was, that's a lot of, a lot of money to be putting out there. Right. And um, so while I'm dedicated to doing that here for a while, and we purchased um, compost the last couple of years too, and almost at the same same amount we're spending on fertilizer, it's a, it's a lot of money, it all adds up. And I, I do think that it will pay out dividends into the future. So while it's justifiable, it's, uh, I feel like we're never going to get very far ahead doing that. Um, So this was really just an effort to focus on getting the missing elements and minerals. In a more targeted way, and then bringing the biology back, and just really focusing on on fostering that biological component to to make you good use of what is there, and also to keep the ground a little bit more um, stress tolerant as far as you know weather extremes, which right seem like the only weather we get.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, can you
1: see this comment that I posted at the
0: bottom of the screen
1: here? Does the compost have a strong smell to it? Um, no, wh- when it's done, it does not. Unless, I mean, the, so the fertilizer that we buy does have a strong smell to it. Um, but the compost that we are producing does not have a strong smell to it. Um, <clears throat> the part that smells when it does is the pile of whatever happens to be on hand that's waiting to go into the composting process so um you know what most people would probably just call that a compost pile but it's i sort of <laughs> call it a pre <laughs> a pre-pile for the compost pile. and um so if we get if we end up with a situation where a fox gets into the hen house or something and you got a few chickens and, and we're not, I am not picky about what goes in the compost pile. Um, some people may disagree with that strategy, but unless uh, it's
0: anything to do with mink, then you do.
1: <laughs> yes. Right. Uh, no. Well, we had a lot of chickens in the compost pile one year as a result of a mink. Uh, <laughs> oh, I, I was thinking like the mink. <laughs> you Yeah. No, that's the real thing up here. We got a lot of mink farms. Um, Um, Go ahead. So, at any rate, uh, the yeah, the once once the process actually gets started, it has uh, not unpleasant but strong smell for the first probably three to five days when we're really heating it up and turning it um, basically daily. And then after that, it gets laid out into a windrow and it really mellows out fast, cools off and becomes mesophilic or just sort of warm Mm. uh, instead of hot. And then we put the worms in there and then it just, it sits there that whole time. I kind of put a bed of wood chips down and then I put the, you know, finished, barely finished compost so it's heated up for the number of days that it needs and it's you know stayed above 130 degrees for 5 days or I can't remember exactly what the rule is. I I do way well more than that before I it's a it's a week to 9 days before I put it out. And then it sits okay. and finishes composting for a whole year essentially. Okay. And the the point of that and the point of the wood chip binoculum is, um, to try to boost the fungal population because, uh, we do cultivate and till and things that are harder on the fungal population than on the bacterial population. So I'm trying to create a compost that when it goes out is, uh, saying, sorry (laughs) 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 to to
0: the right things. Right. When when i make compost like it smells i mean it's it's a bunch of chicken poop and wood chips pretty much and it doesn't really have that much of a smell like as soon as as soon as you get it wet like it smells earthy yeah and um i mean even given it like that week when i checked up on it i was like oh my gosh this is gonna smell so good this is gonna be great um But as far as using like that Garrett juice plus is like that worm castings, compost teas, whatever, like it does, uh, it does have a weird smell to it. I don't even know how to describe it. It smells weird. It's strong, which is why you have to glue it.
1: Yeah. And that's a, that's a brewed up. It's got to be anaerobic if it's, well, I guess it doesn't have to be. There's some way to kind of put those aerobic ones dormant. I don't know all that much about it, to be honest, but. Um. yeah, I, I made one batch of brewed up tea and it stunk and made it it was a big sticky mess and I just got... <laughs> uh,
0: thanks um, for the co- comment artifact uh, we got uh, one more comment here and then to probably wrap up, flying monkey on YouTube, how big are both y'all's farms? Um, I have two acre homestead that uh, I have just like a little bit of vegetables and 17 laying hens, not going to do any meat birds this year. But uh, Tenzin, why don't, you, why don't you tell them how big your farm is?
1: The farm itself is 36 acres and we've got about 15 under cultivation and about 10 to 12 of that is in vegetables. And then uh, one of our employees runs a laying hen operation. She's got a 200 or 250 chickens out there um and then done some broiler birds as well and we've raised pigs in the past i plan to bring them back in but i've kind of swapped pigs out for worms here the last year or two you can just already eat worms
0: <laughs> the pigs oh, are more
1: delicious but the that's the, worms true. Are easy, the worms are easier to manage
0: that is true they won't they won't uh Try to test Yep,
1: yeah, and if they do, they don't wreck anything. <laughs> Still, there? I am. Yeah, are you? I might be losing you. Oh, well, like I you remember forgot. to plug the phone in this time, so it shouldn't be that trick again.
0: <laughs> well, we'll we'll start the process. Um, you, you can find Farm Hop Life everywhere i'm trying to be on every social media platform in the world (laughs) you can uh, go to farmhoplife.com email me matt at farmhoplife.com and if you think i'm a sexist pig because this is a men's forum and i'm not inviting women here let me know because i'm trying to encourage katie to start a women's forum so all the all the women that have been on the show they're welcome to have their own thing. Uh, I'd encourage that. So, um, Tenzin, would you like to let people know where they can find you and what you're doing?
1: Yeah, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. We also have a website, uh, reddoorfamilyfarm.com. And I don't know, that's sort of the easiest place to see what we're up to. Um, Or if you're up this way, pop on it.
0: All right. Um, I'll have links for your stuff in the show notes. So um, just hold on one second and uh, we'll chat just for just a few minutes. Um, I appreciate everybody stopping by to come to the first men's forum, Monday night men's forum. I appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good night.